so first week we did um somebody was actually like oh man what y'all talk about the first week what'd you say i'm trying to codify all this stuff anyway so you're helping me yeah, and kind of what, uh, what, what, I mean, what about it? I mean, people would have heard that, but what did we kind of try to land on in your opinion? You're helping me, so I'm, this is not a God test. desires to know us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think God desires to know us, to be known by us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's possible. I think, you know, I, as I was telling some of my buddies, I feel like when I was teaching that particular lesson, I feel like people's eyeballs, they tell me it's possible to have a dialogical conversation, relationship with God. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think so, you know. Oh, this is good. So well, then we move from there to, um, I would say, the last time we met, because we only had two, right? So the last time we met, which um, was more, <laughs> what would you say in that? <laughs> how would you sum that up? I don't know how I end up landing on that, but. Uh huh. It was praise. But how in the heck does praise have anything to do with communication, I think? And why is it relevant with God? Is that is that if we were if we were in relationship with each other, which we are, I mean, is praise a necessity for our relationship? I think. I mean, like you and I. Um, I think so. I mean, just communicating like what you appreciate about the other person, and that like, I think praise is a way of telling. Something that you're cool with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Y'all add, add takeaway? Like sometimes more of like, instead of like being too blatant, like being too blatant, like you're 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 being too blatant, like we can learn from our relationship with God, you know, I think how we should probably approach each other. It's like, I think uh, Douglas and, you know, we don't oftentimes put the Griffins in the married a long time category, but I have to start learning to put them in there. Cody, Crystal, uh, Kristen, I'm sure you see this too. I think, um, I think one of the things I, I found hardest to do in my marriage is encourage Gina. It's just really, it's, I think it's just weird and it's hard and it's tough. It's like, man, but you you didn't act the way that I wanted you to act this morning. So even if I had wanted to encourage you, I, I'm trying to emotionally put you in hostage. So I'm not going to encourage <laughs> I am a nice, sinful mess in case you have not known that. Um, I, got, I got things going on. But um, so it's hard there. But what do I think you think you probably do with God, too? I think it's hard, too, when, when you're in it with God and you're not tracking with what he's doing and you're upset with some of the things he's making. 
Is that what your heart posture wants to be? Oh, no, it's probably not. It's like, man, I'm mad at you, so I'm going to come here. I want to be ministered to, but I ain't coming here to bless you. I'm coming here to, you better fix some stuff. At least comfort me until I get myself together. But I, I do think, going back, is um, there's something about, um, you know, as we listen to all those who come before us, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. I can't wait to get in there and make much of him and, and tell people how great he is and all that. Uh, you know, I think there's something about learning how to approach God. Jesus tells us to pray. How do we pray? And we're going to begin that thing with setting you apart because you are different. Like it is what, what I have with Rebecca is one thing, but what I got with you is different. And I do need to hold you different. Not like you got to light incense and candles, but I got to treat you differently than I treat the rest of my other relationships. And how do I do that? I make sure no matter what I'm feeling, I honor you. I'm coming here to bless you, right? So it's just setting a different center and tone uh, for the relationship. Um, but I also think that something about our nature, it's who we've been redeemed to be has changed. You know, so after we, we've come in, y'all, we, Sabas, we got some more sheets? The first lady in the house, y'all, we are honored to have the first lady. Sabas, I got more sheets on the printer. I left some on the printer. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, but um, I think we don't think about that. Like, what did we get saved to? Like, we redeem, 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, hey, and we were called out of darkness into his marvelous life so that we could what? Proclaim. We were just proclaiming the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness. And so, um, man, I don't know if, if, if praise is not on our lips, I wonder you know, how much communication is actually happening, too. So anyway, um, so here we land on, um, I just titled it Going In. <laughs> For lack of a better, you know, way to title it, we just talked about going in. Hold one, one just in case we need to make copies. Um, thanks, Sebas. Um, when you hear going in, what do you, what's coming to mind there? <laughs> You're wretched, and you are wretched. We were. <laughs> but you already knew that, though. You already knew that. I know, I know, I know, I know. Going in, going in. Um, so before we, I will unpack going in. I think this is not theological word, but I think it's important because at the Av, it's probably. It at least represents a place I want to take us to, um, as opposed to, um, yeah, it's a, a place where we want to go to. It's nothing serious, but I think it encapsulates it. When I think about, um, I would just commend to you um, this one resource. If you've really been, your heart's been blessed, and you, your, your interest has been piqued by it, the subject matter, man, I would please, Dallas Willard's Hearing God, I think he, he is on something um, about really developing a conversational a relationship with the Lord. Uh, somebody want to read that quote from us, which I think kind of sums up what he believes that to be. What's up, Jeffers? Somebody read it loud and proud out there. The first one? Mm-hmm. So our union with God, his presence with us, in which our loneliness is banished, and the meaning and full purpose of human existence is realized. Pause. Oh, he loaded that thing up. He loaded that something up. So one of the things I didn't um, 
I didn't say about when I was preaching on Sunday is um, that verse where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and those who believe in me. Actually, that oh, that word is not believe in, but it's actually believe into me. Mm-hmm. It's a really strange word. It's, it's the Union with God is a big theological concept. Died, Romans 6, die with Christ, raised with him into newness of life. Um, and so Dallas is picking up on that language, this, this union, this mystical union with Christ, right? It's the same thing we preach and teach to our, uh, our married couples, that there's this mystery, Ephesians 5, where it's the same mystery, Christ in the church. It happens actually too, when the husband and wife become one sexually, that it actually mimics this mysterious mystical union where two become one. That's what's happened. Do you realize that's what's happened to you? You have been forever united with Christ. And I love this. Dallas says, in that union, what what has been banished forever, y'all? My God. Forever. And he says, the full purpose of human existence is realized. That's loaded, baby. You were redeemed in part to be united back with God. And that's when you have fully become you again. Now united with Christ. Keep going, Car. Consists mm-hmm. deeply in a conversational relationship with God while we are each consistently and deeply engaged in supreme and co-laborer in the affairs of the kingdom of the yeah, I think the idea is like as we are immersed um, in him, abiding in him, the benefits of that relationship is this dialogical, intuitive relationship that we get to enjoy uh, with God forever. And so just just keep that in mind. I, I meant to do that first because I think that's that's where I want to lead you and tease you as far as little crumbs. We can't stay on kind of what does that kind of communicative relationship looks like. But I just want to tease you and leave that little appetizer if you want to chase that trail. Um, the rest of that book is amazing. So um, let's just talk about seeking the Lord. Somebody read that first paragraph underneath there. Seeking the Lord means seeking his presence. Presence is a common translation of the Hebrew word faith. Mm. All right, this, um, I, I contemplated um, just really walking through the whole John Piper article, but then I had to squeeze Tim Keller stuff in there, and so I just, anyway, but I left it for you. I couldn't improve upon it. It was too amazing. I was like, man, but I just got, I'm going to just give them large chunks of it. Uh, so when we say seeking God's face, when I say church, come on, we need to seek his face. What am I asking us to do? What am I asking you to do? Yeah, we, we want to seek his presence. That's all that phrase means, right? Um, but you would ask, Pastor Tim, God is, what's the big O word? He's, uh, omni- yeah, he's omnipresent, right? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? And so are we always in God's presence? Yes. And are we always in his presence? No. It's a yes and a no, right? Remember, we kind of talked about that a little bit in Second Chronicles. Remember when they were uh, in, in worship and what came in and everything ceased? 
Yeah, the, the Shekinah presence of God came in there and there no longer could be service in the temple. It was just too thick. Oh, you, you understand that, y'all? It's sometimes it just be so thick. Nothing need to be said. Nothing need to be done. He's doing it. His presence is doing it. It's literally too much for us, right? When we get to glory, there's not a whole lot of stuff that's even necessary. He's there. We're beholding him. It's just we're in awe, right? What did Isaiah do? What did he do when he had that vision caught up? The train filled the temple. All he could do was start confessing sins. He's like, uh, I'm in the wrong room. Uh, I'm a man of unclean lips, right? Come on, man. We don't even need it. It was too, but it wasn't even like a, it was just too amazing, right? And so sometimes God gives us just a little whiff and it's like, whoa, amen. To God be the glory, right? Um, so all that being said, uh, somebody read that next quote from uh, Piper, who kind of just helps us understand this difference between God's omnipresence always being there and then God's kind of weighty presence not always being with us. Go for it. All right. Um, amen. What is God always? What is God always? What's his character always? I love the last sentence. He's always great. He's always beautiful. He's always valuable. But do we always realize that and treat him like that? No, y'all, we don't. That should not be a hard thing for you to admit. No, I'm sorry, right? No, we don't always see him as great. We don't always see him as beautiful. We don't always see him as valuable. Um, I left off, somehow I left off, even the Westminster Confession. Let's see if I can pull it up. It was on my, my notes. Um, says the same thing in, in different terms in regards to kind of prayer. Um, there's a question in the larger catechism, question 182 about prayer, and that basically uh, that God kind of works and quickens in our hearts. But it says, although all people, not all persons at all times experience him in the same measure. Right. And so there's a many of you felt that, too. It's like, yeah, you you you're in a service. And man, you just look to your left or your right and you see somebody and man, something seems to be going on. I mean, it, there might be tears, there just might be high praise, there just seems to be an intense thing going on and it's just not what's happening for you right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay. And so there is a sense where God's, God is there in our service. Um, he's present with everybody, but he's resting a little more in dealing with somebody in a different way than he is with you, right? It's just, it is true, okay? God is... God is, his nearness is being experienced by people at different measures at different times. And it's not always the same at all times for everybody or even in your own life. All right. So what does Paul do? 
Paul understands this. Paul understands that we don't always understand God's greatness, his beauty, and his value. So his beautiful prayer in Ephesians 3, uh, somebody read it for us. together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Man, I'm on this text thread uh, with a couple brothers and um, they kind of just wrestling with some, some sin and some stuff going on in their world. And essentially, you know, I think a brother is like, man, if I could rest in how much God loves me, some of the behavioral things I think would change and fall off. Absolutely right. A hundred percent right. If we understood and really were able to lay hold of these things by faith, I hear it all the time. Tim, I just I don't believe God loves me. I don't believe I'm accepted. I don't believe that he'll give me power. And so those things, um, I love this. Y'all got to, you got to make one, this scripture one of your scriptures, y'all. This is an important passage because I, you can't strong arm people to believe and see God's greatness, his value, and his beauty. How does, what is Paul doing? He is praying for people. God, I'm begging you that they would be able to see you like this but how does how does christ dwell in our hearts verse 17 it's got to be by what god be by faith this is not knowledge you can't learn it into you you got to be able to lay hold of that thing by faith right and paul verse 18 that they would have power together with all the lord's holy people to grab this thing they got to have supernatural power to lay hold of the truths not just know the truths Martha you're the resurrection yeah you know it but are you laying hold of that thing you know what I'm saying and you gotta lay you can only lay hold to it by faith so like I would just tell you if you are struggling getting the gears going if it's a season of like man I I, I man my, I feel dry listen don't go shaming yourself to death I think, you know, when I feel disconnected from Gina, I'm like, man, I, I, I miss Gina. And, and then you start putting your, the, the practical steps together to, 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 to enrich and saturate that relation back again with love. Um, but if you are feeling dry, I think you should probably fall to your knees first. Maybe even before pounding yourself with 10 podcasts. Maybe even before I'm just going to read the whole Genesis, the whole Pentateuch. Okay, I, I amen to that. Maybe that will get you there. Maybe the first thing is, God, I need faith to receive it, to grasp it. To, I need power to ascertain it, to hold on to it. God, I know enough. I already know enough of no enough information about you to last a lifetime. 
but God is not connecting right now. And so what Paul Keller, uh, as he exposes this verse, when he starts talking about the grasping in verse um, 18, where Paul says that he prays that they would be able to grasp how wide and how long and how deep the love of Christ is. Paul is talking about meditating and pondering something until you break through. That's what Tim Keller says. Until, as we say, what's it do? It hits you. The breakthrough will happen, of course, only through the Spirit-empowering help. This goes back to going in. You know, we used to say in, in our old church context, I'm, man, we going in today. So ideas like, man, we want to push past surface level kind of stuff. Want to push past the surface level kind of knowledge. I want to grasp it, y'all. I do not like church enough to just go there and sing them songs and hang out with y'all. I don't. I love you, but I just I, there's probably some different social circles I will hang in. I'm there because I want to grasp it, y'all. I need this. There's other relational networks we can swim in. I need this is what I need most deeply in my life. I need to know how much God loved me. And if I know if I can get my eyes wrapped around how much he loves me, how wide it is, how great it is, it will change my day to day. It'll change the way I treat my children. It'll change the way I see my future. Do you realize if you knew how much God loved you, how it would revolutionize your life? Get your eyes on him, right? So uh, here's a quote by Jonathan Edwards. It just says, there are two ways that you know that honey is sweet. He says, you can know it with ra the rational mind, and you can also know it with the sensing tongue. You can know that the honey is sweet because people tell you about it and you believe them, right? But when you actually taste the sweetness of honey yourself, now you know it fully. You know it both mentally, you know it experientially. Do not settle for mental ascent. We got to be praying, God, I got to experience you. I have to experience you. I have to experience you, right? And so that brings us back to how do we experience that God, we got to seek his face. And as Psalms 105.4 says, we got to seek his face. How long? Continually, right? Now, uh, what's it mean to seek? Let's go back to that Desiring God article. Somebody want to read that little paragraph? The setting of the mind is the opposite of mental coaching. It is a conscious choice to direct the heart toward God. This is what Paul prays for the church. May the Lord direct your heart to the words of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. You wanted me to stop? There's better ways you could say that. <laughs> Listen, here's, the, here's a little bit of tension, right? It's because, once again, if we, we focus on kind of like a, a wrong idea of relationship and, 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 we get, and we put that false dichotomy between works and, and grace, what is, if you were seeing, seeking God's face through that paradigm, what does seeking his face seem like? If you understood anything I just said. So if, if you're so we, we obviously been, I think. In some ways, appropriately, in some ways, inappropriately been fed a, a constant stream of. No works, grace, 
no religion relationship. So if you were looking at it in that strict two box kind of thing, where would you put seeking God's face? Maybe if you weren't with your spiritual eyes on, what does it sound like? Sounds like work. Sounds like work, right? Right? Does that mean I gotta, man, I don't have to get quiet time and read my word to be a Christian. I'm saved by grace. Amen. Amen. I don't have to pray five times a day. You know what I'm saying? That's legalism. Amen. Amen. But you're missing out. You're just missing out. That's what you're doing. We're not saying that this has anything to do with your justification, but you are robbing yourself of the sweet stuff, man. That's where that's from. And I think what Keller's saying in this, in this, and you need to get this in your heart and your mind. You don't get God's intimacy without conscious effort. That's just clear. You can fight that you want. You can be saved by grace and we can see each other in glory. But you're not going to get the sweet. You're not going to be able to grasp how wide it is, how long it is, and how deep it is unless you make the conscious effort to seek his face. So, yes, you can celebrate with me on Easter. Your sins have been atoned for. But, man, I think other people will get a chance to enjoy him at a deeper level until you make up your mind that, Man, I want to know him like that, and I want to experience him like that. And seeking his face requires this deliberate effort, right? Um, and what that is for you is for you. I don't think there's a, a regulation. I think that's where we have fallen into harmful space. I, I want to hope that people, you know, try to try to systematize seeking God's face out of a good posture. Come on, man, you need to get up and seek his face because I don't want you to miss. I hope that's what it was, but in, in a lot of places it has become. You doing your quiet time? You, well, now listen, that's not what that was for because guess what? In the first century church, you think they were doing quiet time? They couldn't read. They couldn't read. They were illiterate. You think they had places to you know, go off and pray multiple times a day? Probably not. Because they worked up from sun up till sundown and came back and s slept in the house with 10 people, probably children that they could. I wonder how they would. Anyway, that's another topic. Um, I would ask you, church, I guess, has more of a cultural experience. Yeah. But if you only speak to pastors, you know, you can be in the Yeah. Because obviously if there aren't regulated times to do that, then obviously there has to be something that hits the heart that says, hey, you should be looking for ways to seek the Lord versus a systemic boxes checked to stuff. I guess I'm wondering outside of that, what does 
seeking it. I think we kind of got a backwards soteriology. I think, oh, yep, soteriology is our doctrine of salvation specifically. So it's like, what is the steps of salvation? What does it kind of mean or whatever? I think it is a very secular view because people are spiritual. They already think they kind of have a relationship with God. And maybe just coming in, you just assume, well, now I'm forgiven. But I always had a relationship with God, but now I'm forgiven. And so, you know, so I'm straight. We just kind of whatever, whatever. And I think we don't also, as our Christians, we don't advertise that. That's not our lead in. It's like our lead is, yeah, come through the gate and have life and have it abundantly and know the, know the, the shepherd's voice. I was like, get saved from your sin. So I think that when that's the emphasis, I feel like in a long way, I think you, 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 you don't understand what the grace has provided you, which is, man, grace has now afforded me access to God. Now I, now I get to have, I get to speak to him. I get to seek his face. You didn't get to do that before Christ died for you. You know what I'm saying? You didn't. That is, nope, you didn't. You could have been knocking at the door, but that connection ain't going through because the only way it was coming through is our advocate. Not be, in Jesus' name, we now have access. And so I actually feel like if you were seeing it rightly, you would see this as a grace-filled gift. Like, man, I have access to him that I didn't have before. Let me take advantage of that. Um, so I think it's, it's really, and I think, it's that way with all the, the, the disciplines of grace is, um, you know, I think we just gotta, we gotta do a better job at how we present the things, you know what I'm saying? Because even if sometimes we're guilty of, hey, you're saved by grace, but in order to stay in here now, you gotta start doing all these things. Instead of saying, you're saved by grace, and now you get to do all these things, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's probably just how we frame it up. Let's 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 move forward and we'll get to some more practical stuff too later. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit more. This is another John Owen quote. There's a, a rich in Tim Keller's book on prayer. He has it is the most thorough book. It's another book. I would just say add it to your, your shelf. Um, Tim Keller is way more charismatic than um, people give him credit for. And I love it. But he, the Jews have a rich history of mysticism, um, and so do uh, Catholics have a kind of uh, really rich contemplative prayer kind of situation that looks a whole lot more charismatic than, than Locke. And so Tim Keller included in his book John Owen's kind of critique and assessment of that contemplative pr Catholic prayer tradition. Uh, somebody read it for us. A spiritual intensification of the mind by contemplation of God in Christ until the soul be as it were swallowed up in admiration and delight and being brought unto and utter lost to the infiniteness of those excellencies which it doth admire and adore are things to be aimed at in prayer in which through the riches of divine condescension 
all those big words to say. Like, it's, it's really what Paul's saying. You know, John Owen is looking at that tradition. It's like, man, when they're praying, they are just enduring in prayer until their souls are swallowed up in that admiration and delight. I ain't done praying until I'm overwhelmed. I'm not done worshiping until I'm overcome by it. That's when I, we are going in now. I, I got to stare at it long enough until um, Keller, Keller was like, man, basically the anxieties of our heart are overwhelmed by the greatness of our God. That's when I'm done praying. That's when I'm done worship until my soul is quiet because there's no way those two can coexist. If we have the infinite God of the universe and we have a low bank account and we got a tough job situation and we got whatever kind of situation we got, the remedy is as we navigate until we see him face to face is, man, if, if we can get in his presence, if we can see him, these things can be overwhelmed and they can be subsided until he comes. But we know that's not the case. And so there are obstacles. Um, somebody want to read some of those? How does God want you to see him always? Who is God always? He, he is great. He is beautiful. And he is valuable beyond all measure. The old Latin word would say he's our sunum bunum. He is the chief and primary good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had this sweet little baby who does the crosswalk with me in the morning. I'm, four, I'm almost be 40 years old in October. So I should not be getting annoyed by such trite things. But she calls me Mr. Timmy. <laughs> Don't call me Mr. Timmy. You can call me Mr. Tim or you can call me Mr. Johnson. I want to be called what I want to be called. How does God want us to see him, y'all? He's like, I am beautiful. I am great. I am valuable. I want to be seen, but especially the ones not that I've just created, but the ones I've redeemed. I want them to see me like that, right? Um, but I, I don't think it's just that he wants you to force you to say it because we're not slaves. He wants you to experience it, y'all. He wants you to say it earnestly from your heart with conviction. Um, but according to Piper, what happens, y'all? Why don't we constantly live in that world of his beauty, his greatness, and his value? We got obstacles, right? We constantly have obstacles as to us seeing him rightly. Um, and so I love that. There's always something that you got to do what? You got to either go through or around to be able to seek his face. Once again, Seeking his face is not something that happens by accident. You enjoying God's presence, you grasping how deep and how wide 
and how vast his love is and you living in the strength and the power of who God is, that resurrection, you feeling like you felt Sunday morning. You don't feel that 365 days a year. Why? Because there's obstacles. And if we are not consciously turning our attention to seek him, then what will happen? What's going to happen, y'all? Huh? Y'all, you're not going to feel his nearness. You will not feel his nearness. And if you don't feel his nearness, you won't see him like this. And if you don't see him like this, you're going to feel like any other person in this world, overwhelmed by their problems, overwhelmed by the sense of themselves and shame and whatever, you name it, everything else. You will not experience the benefits and the fullness of who God is for you. So we got to be make sure we're moving around his obstacles, right? His face, the brightness of his personal character is hidden behind the curtain of our carnal desires. It's hidden, yo. And so he also goes on saying there are endless obstacles that we must get around in order to see him clearly. And so that we can be in the light of his presence, we must flee spiritually dulling activities. We must run from them and get around them. They are blocking our way. Let's pause for a second. What, what are some spiritually dumbing, act, um, dulling activities uh, for you? Social media. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 Shame on you, shame. Um, I really like, I think I get, I'm such a, I kind of go full hearted into everything I do. So it's like, if it's not, if, if I put anything else there besides Jesus, I kind of, I'm just so gullible and easily diverted. And that's not true for everybody. Like, you know, one of the things I think, you know, being married to Gina, you know, coming in is like, you know, having, I, I just super strict this, this, and that, and that. And then I think there's times where it's like, as we open up, like, if you're not doing what I'm doing, then you're not a Christian and you're not walking with Jesus. So I'm sorry. You, you need to get saved again. <laughs> you need to get you saved again. Um, and then I also, but then I realized too, so coming out of that legalistic kind of mindset, but then I do realize for me though, I'm, I just gotta, if I don't stay in it, if I don't swim in it, I'm just, I just get wide open to all kind of other manner, whatever, right? Um, so I, I, I don't know, for me, um, yeah, maybe let's flip it. What are things that, that really help remove obstruction for you so that you can see them? Okay, go. You want to go spiritually, done? Mm-hmm. And since time spent with Jesus is literally just me going through my to-do list, 
Yeah. Versus actually constituting people. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody else has that going on when they, when they are mm-hmm. trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I kind of, oh, my favorite part of it, my favorite part of that hymn, oh, it's sweet the offering forth that oh, that you would pay me there. Yep. All to be given for redemption by your prayer. And yep. so sometimes even in that prayer, because I'm going through the, to do this, I never even offer even my communion mm-hmm. to the Lord. For sure. What else? What what either is spiritually dulling for you or spiritually uh, enriching, helping you see him? I think a lot of it just the amount of relationship we try to stay mm. outside of or secondarily mm-hmm. because of my weird career path in life. I just get a bunch of like misfit people. I but love I'll just say, I think for me practically, it's not necessarily focused on being well-rounded, seeing what I think I'm gifted at, and then focusing on being better at those that don't have the gifts that I do. I think you touched on something, too, that I, I just think there's a whole lot of societal pressure, and I think there's a, a ordering of our life that demands certain things. It's like, oh, no, man, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, and you need to bing, bing, bam. And I think, honestly, that... Like he said, what, what he says, the, um, uh, the brightness of his personal character is hidden behind the curtain of our carnal desires. I think his face is hidden behind the world is choking out our view. It's obstructing our view. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look still in his glorious face, and the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. Right, you know the word. But I think those things do veil us, and I think those pressures that are not his and I, I honestly think we, most of us would struggle to say, no, my first order of business in life 
is what? Seeking his face continually. And I think some of us would kind of feel, people would be like, oh, you just being super religious. You being too, no, no, actually, no. This is what I was created for. <laughs> you know, this is what I was saved into. I, you don't want me to be a friend to you if I'm not seeking his face continually. You want me to go get in God's face, you know? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, our lives are not predetermined for the things that provide all the space and time in the world yep. to be able to lay prostrate before the Lord all day. Yes. They got bills. Yes. Yes. Like, so to a certain extent, I think even the term seeking his face, and you can correct me if I'm absolutely wrong, which I know you're still an angel, but... <laughs> <laughs> I would say going back to Rebecca, so let me just make my pitch. We don't need to regulate seeking his face. I just think like we did with praise. You know, we talked about praise. It's like, man, bruh, when we see that exuberance, we see that jubilant, we see the clapping of hands and all that noise and all that loudness and all that happiness that is, uh, you know, described for us in the Bible. And then we, and then you come and you tell us, I'm praising God. And it's like, oh. Well, we saw you at the Grizz game, and okay, help me. Just you gotta help me. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't look very happy, but you look very happy. You just gotta help me. I, you know, I thought he was the most amazing thing, and so I think you have to access that in your own heart, whether or not, man, my my praise is. Do I have a second? Uh, is is there something that's even a close second to what I give God? And then you got to answer, like, why would that be? I think every one of us, we don't have to judge each other. You have to, you have to do that work. And I think you also have to do that work of seek the Lord continually. What does that look like for you? I don't know, but you need to wrestle with that. But I do think what Rebecca's saying is probably so important because it is one of those things of, like, I think, I just wrote down in my notes, I'm very accustomed to escapism. So I have, I'm not a fighter. I'm, I just want to go, I'm a retreater usually by nature. If I'm having difficult times, if I'm having difficult emotions, I don't want to talk to Gina. I don't want to be a dad. I just want to go. And I want to kind of get lost in my little video game. I want to just kind of get away from the thing, right? 
but why then not seek his face to him? You know what I'm saying? So the one thing that is very much in competition is mind-numbing activities. Things that just kind of just are nothing. They're not bad things, but especially the motivation why I'm turning to them right now. So why am I turning to that video game right now? Why am I going to work out right now, right? Um, and is that helping me to seek his face continually? Now, I do feel like there are times where I, I've told Gina, it's like, man, sometimes I never feel, I mean, I feel God's presence so deeply, sometimes just riding from, you know, Perkins to Hyde, Hyde Park on the bike. And there's times I just want to put that bike down and just go in because it's so rich and I feel it. And a part of that is just because I don't have a lot of distractions and I could just seek him and I could just meditate on the goodness. And it's just, st st sorry, Mr. Speedo, man. Oh, I got to give it to him right now. Like, ah. it's, yes, yes. But, but I think, um, I think for us, I think the challenge is Psalms 104 responds how do we, how do we do that continually? Is it keeping a note card with scripture? Is it, man, try, okay, man, you know, I, I want to go to bed uh, with, with a song of worship on my heart. Maybe just the last thing I want in my subconscious before I go to sleep is just, holy, there is no one like you. I'm just going, I'm going to drift off to that as opposed to what I, usually somebody, superhero killing somebody or whatever. You, what does it look like? I mean, I just... Y'all, I need to experience God so deeply. I got to give myself whatever advantage I can. Whatever can help me. You know what I'm saying? And so I do think one of the things that is, I think we know the, like the normal sin stuff, but I do think, to, to Rebecca's point, there is a normal mind-numbingness that we kind of try to get to. There's efficiency. Man, let me, you know, if... Okay, what's the next productive thing I can do? Sometimes being productive is an enemy to seeking God's face. It's like, yo, man, oh, man, I just, okay, I got some time. What can I do? Get what I can, no, 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 you got some time. What can we, let's go seek him. Let's go make our heart glad in him, right? I think that's what we're talking about, and I think that looks a whole lot different for all of us. But I think if we have make it our business to seek him continue, I think we'll find all types of creative ways um, to do it. <laughs> where we go, like if you're right or not, it's where we going and why we got to die. Like I am that girl. I want to know. Amen. And so, not to put yeah. that on you, it's like, because I feel like it's such a pastoral, you figure it out for yourself. No, I want you to tell me, like you just referenced Paul for kneeling. Yes. Are there other scriptural references of people seeking and what that looks like for them? Like, what are tangible things that we see in scripture? Of someone seeking the Lord. The Lord. Okay. Brian, you want I mean, not the scripture, just thinking day to day for Lori and I, you know, if it's anything like kids down, hey, what's up? What's for dinner? Netflix. Right? Mm hmm.
the group text mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Phone flipped over, not in reach. So I think the practicalness of for us was like, where is that numbing time where yep. we can not work? Friggin' stressful day. Yeah. You know, because if you, I got kids, I love them, but not most times. You yeah. Know, yeah. Travel's great. Yeah. So, um, Amen. Amen. But I think just like just trying to find what to create margin. Where is that? Yes. And yes. So I think for us it was just like really keeping up with screen time. Oh dang! You know how much time you're really doing it. Like I would travel Easter Sunday. You know I spent 39 minutes on my phone. I was pretty proud of that. Yeah. It's not a normal day. Yeah. Right? But it, you know it used to be six. Now I. I try to be on the four. Now I try to be on the three hours a day. Yeah. But it's not just getting rid of that time to do something else. Yeah. It's like, what could I? Yeah. Do yeah. with that margin. Yeah. Similar to, and I'm a terrible favor of money, but similar thing, right? When all this stuff breaks, you need a little nest egg to reach into, and that's when we overfit ourselves. Yeah. Practically, that's something we've done. Yeah. And it's been very fruitful. Yeah. We look like, oh, you know, old timers last. It was two nights ago, we were both reading a book in bed. Yeah. You know, so. so go back, go back. I would just go back to Ephesians 3 in the grasping part. I'll just circle that for all of us. I think that that's what seeking looks like. It's to meditate and to ponder something. I think that is a spiritual precedent that's been set. Um, when people start talking about seeking the Lord, seeking his presence, it's being in there, meditating on the truth, pondering a truth. Um, long enough until it hits you, until it hits you. Now, here's the thing. I think if I were practically approaching this and I'm leaving this Bible, so I'm like, man, what does this look like? I think I'd probably look in two ways. It's like, first, where can I create the margin? It's like you go into January 23, like, man, I want to get fit. Okay, so where am I going to find the time to, to start working out or whatever? And I do think um, we need to, we need to, once again, if this is a conscious decision, none of this, uh, us living in the reality of who God is and how great he is, how beautiful he is, it will not happen by accident. It will not happen by accident. So we have to make some conscious space. How can I encounter God, right? Whether that's 30 minutes in the morning, where it's noonday prayer, I can close my, my, my office door, whether it's I'm gonna shut everything down, electronics at 8.30, and I'm going to encounter God. Now, I will tell y'all this. One of the things I, I was listening to Rich Velodez, um, to Gina's point, um, and he was talking to John Mark Comer, we, I, we cannot underestimate how, man, how distracted our minds are. And you, we really do have to try to work on how we can train our brains to sit still. It's like, man, can we, can we just, like I said, I gotta be watching something to go to sleep. I can't just sit in the bed and go to sleep. You know what I mean? I gotta have, sometimes I love, I love hearing word, but I got, you can ask Gina now, it, every step I take in the house, I gotta have a podcast going and it's like, okay, can you just, can you just sit and be still. And I think we do have to do practically, we gotta, we gotta work, work on being able to sit still long enough to ponder and meditate on, on God's truth. And so, listen, it might be a struggle for you getting those things rolling, but I think it's worth it. 
One of the most encouraging thing I, I heard Rich and them say in that podcast was like, man, when I started contemplative prayer, I used to do what Gina did. I used to get there, and before you know it, a hundred times throughout the 10 minutes, I was like, I'm going to sit in God's presence. I started thinking about a hundred different things. But here's where the grace comes in. But those are a hundred opportunities for you to turn back to Jesus. It's okay. And I just want to say that, y'all. It is okay. And I don't know what you think these people look like who are experiencing God's presence, but they look like us. And seeking God's face is effort, but I think it's a worth it effort. And there's no way you will experience the, the depth of the knowledge and the power and the love of God unless we make the con- deliberate choice. So I would say you have to identify margins. Where can you encounter God? Whether you designate it is five minutes, it is 10 minutes, it is 30 minutes, but I have to designate a time to go meet with him. I love we go look at Jesus. We think Jesus, you know, we, we think we believe in this hypostatic union. We believe that God was fully man and he was fully human. But we, we honestly, we don't treat God like he was fully human. We just think, no, Jesus was pretty much God. He was. So when Jesus is with his disciples and he go retreat for a whole night to pray, we like, oh, he only went for a whole night to pray because he's Jesus. He's God. It's like, no. In his humanity, he said, man, I don't need to be with y'all right now. I'm going to pray. And we also see, I think, the beauty of Gethsemane. Jesus laboring in prayer and my boys over there snoring. Can y'all not pray with me? Bruh, we was tired, bruh. It shows me that that wasn't even time. I just I just would say, don't don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged get a bar and don't don't I love there's this meme going around my you seen it like Kobe Bryant he says I made I basically I signed a contract with myself in the offseason and I and I'd stop negotiating with myself it's like man it's deep like Kobe's just like man I'm not what I said I was gonna do I'm just gonna do it and I, I just would add in there that even if you missed your day just don't make it two in a row. And if you miss the third day, don't make it three in a row. And if you miss the week, start again the next week. Don't, don't let yourself out of seeking the Lord just because you don't hit it right off the bat or just because it's di- get, get This is our highest order of business, seeking his face continually. Let me just run through. Here's the promise, though. Here's the promise. And I think this is what you hold on to. First Chronicles 28.9, if you seek him, he will be found by you. He, Tommy Tenney would say, he's not playing hide and seek with you so that he would never be found. The, the purpose of daddies and mamas playing hide and seek with their children is so the, the warmth of that embrace so that they do find me. I'm not hiding somewhere where Lily Grace can't get me. It's, it is the joy of you got me. Do you realize that God wants you to get him? We got to break through those carnal desires. Listen, this seems to be some kind of Old Testament motif that they kept working through. It began in Deuteronomy 4.29. It's literally the same kind of words. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
First Chronicles picks it up. Jeremiah 20, it's literally almost the same verse three times, y'all. This is something that they were accustomed to, to at least holding on at some kind of promise that Yahweh wants to be found by them. And he, God wants his people to seek him with their whole heart. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is he rewards those. He will reward you for seeking him, y'all. He will reward you. First Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord in the street. Seek his presence continually. It's the same as Psalms 104, 5. Just the bit about meditation. Um, just read this last quote. In your thoughts of Christ, be careful that they are conceived and directed according to the rule of the word, lest you deceive your own souls and give up the conduct of your affections unto, that should be unto, unto vain imaginations. But we are not to forego our duty to contemplate Christ because other men have been mistaken in theirs, nor part with practical fundamental principles of religion because they have been abused by superstition. Yet I must say that I had rather be among them who in the actings of their love and affection unto Christ fall into some irregularities and excess in the manner of expressing it than among those who professing themselves to be Christians do almost disavow their having any thoughts of or affection unto the person of Christ. This is actually Owen back on Catholic contemplation, but it, it's really on a balance. So basically, he was, he was kind of saying, man, you know what? You know, if you're, medit if you're meditating, this is not Eastern Hindu meditation. This is not the meditation that scripture is talking about. When you're meditating according to the Bible, you're meditating on truth. Right. So you don't just go like uh, we're meditating on truth um, lest we kind of kind of start drifting off into some vain imaginations. But I love this. He says, but though, this is for those of us who like PT, you leading us into some super spiritual mysticism and all that. I'm, this is a Puritan pastor. OK, so let me just help you out. Got an old dead white guy to help validate me. But what he said, though, I love it. He says, yet, even though things get a little strange over there in the, in the meditative mystical world, I must say, I had rather be among them who in the actings of their love and affections unto Christ fall into some irregularities and excess in the manner of expressing than among those who professing themselves to be Christians do disavow their having any thoughts or affection upon the person of Christ. I'd rather be counted with the crazies who maybe miss it sometimes than the people who got the right doctrine and have no affection or thoughts of. That's where I want to be. I think that's profound. Let's start talking about, for us, this whole, disciple, this whole Bible study for me just started with, really I want to help disciple us into this more vibrant relationship with God that maximizes our union with him. So I think seeking God for us, seeking his face needs to be a lifestyle. It, needs, it really needs to be the way that we want to live our life. But corporately, I want you to know how to shift gears and seek his face. So there are times where, hey man, we just going to church because it's Sunday and we're supposed to be at church. 
and I'm just here, you know. I'm just being present. I really don't feel like it. I'm just doing what's right. Okay. Can we not recognize that, identify that, and say, but I need to seek his face. I need to shift gears, and I need to seek his face. We need to go in, right? We need to collectively, I need to personally go in. Can you shift gears? Or are you just reactive, passive participant in life? Everything acts upon you. And I think the beauty of seeking his face is it doesn't have to be so. It, you don't have to just be overwhelmed like, oh, no, no, man, I am having a horrible day. This is a horrible weekend. I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with it. Uh-uh, what I'm about to do? I'm about to seek his face. <laughs> Boom. I'm about to shift gears. You can do that, y'all, right? I want us to be able to do that privately, and I want us to be able to do that corporately. I want us to be able to sense, like, man, you know what? Today I think we're just going through the motions in church. I just feel like that's what I feel. I could be wrong, but I just feel like we just kind of here. What do you do? What do we do? And we need to, we need to start seeking his face right now. And maybe it's just going to start with me in my heart. I got to lock in. I got to lock in. I think that's honestly what this whole Bible study really has, has been about for me. And I think hopefully prayerfully for us as a church is can we lock in when we need to? Can we lock in when we need to? Or is it just a whole nother litany of reasons why we can't seek his face? Well, you know, well, I know he says seek his face, but I mean, I can't, I can't you know. It, it, but I think by faith, we can recognize personally when we're off. We can recognize corporately when we went off. And we can refocus our attention. Colossians 3, we can seek those things which are above. Make that conscious decision. Find, know the way the bullseye is and go in there um, and hit it. So just to close, um, especially where Gina was landed, what, what are some just practical ways um, maybe even in your heart where he's like, man, you know what? Here, here's how I can start seeking his face um, more regularly, more continually. Here's how I want to make some adjustments. Maybe you can throw those things out there and then... Um,
doing like bad things and stuff, but like not making it like a realistic thing cuz it's very fleeting, you just wear it down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're not trying to be realistic all the time, but it's just like Yeah, I I yes. I think meditation, one of the things too that I think is key for pondering and meditation is like we just we can't process too much to get it deep and to get it well and so I do think like um less is more almost like in meditation and so man if it's just short memory verses if it's just little truths I just gotta work that thing in until I can just you know what I'm saying so it's maybe maybe seeking God's face is like you have one verse a week and you're just trying to memorize that thing and just wrap your head around it and you keep turning back to it I love brother Lawrence who was a part of a, a, a monastic movement at some era but really it's kind of like Gina says what does that look like in a 21st century environment where most of us are required to work eight hour days we come home to stuff whatever it, I, brother Lawrence would say it's just it's me deliberately turning my heart just me just turning my heart to him there is no excuses like we can keep making excuses, but you can live your life and still be consciously trying to get your eyes on him, y'all. He is not asking you to just go live in a monastery. That is not what this is saying. But he's saying he can be turned to. When you look at 1 Thessalonians and it's saying pray continually, when you look at a psalm and saying seek his faith continually, obviously, man, there's so many literal activities tangible that I have to do so he's not saying go withdraw all the time though I do think clearly practically I think you should in your heart you need to be thinking where is margin where I can retreat do I I gotta find margin go talk to your husband go talk to your wife baby I need to have this time now if you just going to take this time to go play video games you can't have this time but if you need this time, yes, amen, amen. If you need this time to go be with God, baby, I, I got you. Take this time, you know? So where do you have the margin? But I think, uh, uh, like Sam said, it, it, it really is. I think we can do probably a little bit better moving away from the mind-numbing stuff, moving away from productivity. That's Mary and Martha again, right? What's Martha doing? Jesus is here. Put that Chick-fil-A up. It's like, no, Jesus is here. Girl, it don't matter. Get over there. Get with him. So getting away from the business, the productivity, the mind-numbing stuff, and get, go ahead, P. I think for me, like, one of the things that I just don't talk to my Yes. I do think y'all, 
I think the target, you gotta you gotta go back to that. Go back to Ephesians three, that concept of grasping, meditating and pondering until it hits you. I think we all know what hits you feels like. Like that moment you see that dead body of your loved one and and that hits you emotionally and it, it, it you know, that moment when, you know, you, you felt and you saw viscerally the the reaction of your parents when they were so proud of you when you did this and achieved that and it overwhelmed you. The Lord want, listen to me, he wants to overwhelm your whole being by who he is. That includes your emotions. And so some I think we gotta even be free like, oh, one, one of the things, please, and I've said this before, don't, I was going off in staff meeting about this. I think Sierra, Sierra was like, PT, I want to let you know, um, thank you for crying. That had freed me. And so she started crying while she was eating her pancakes. And, um, but I was also, I was just say that. Well, I was like, you know, Sierra, I was like, man, you know, sometimes I struggle because I get up there on Sundays and I probably cry like 45 out of 52 Sundays. And I'm like, man, you know, sometimes I even feel myself like, man, don't do it, bro. Don't do it. Because they just going, oh, that's just Pastor Tim, kind of, you know, whatever. And maybe it's just part of some kind of routine. He's like, he's just the, he's just the emotional guy, right? And, you know, or he, he's, that's just kind of his, don't, man, I, I hear my heart in my mind. That is not, that doesn't have anything to do with my culture. It's not a black thing. That's not my personality. So don't introduce, oh yeah, man, that's just my passion. He's a little, no, man. I just, I just, I just feel like, man, I think we got to start normalizing what overwhelm feels like and looks like. It is, this is, this is what it is. It's like, man, don't tell me how vast, how wide, how deep the love of God is if it don't take you. And we got to stop in the avenue, please, y'all got to help me. We got to stop when people like, man, you know what? That, man, that, that almost got me. And I had to reach over and pat my eyes because I, what the, so, what, so what if you cried and went like it? Is that embarrassing? No, it's just, it's beautiful. Is it when we behold him? It, it, it's so all that to say. In I think in even in your private time, it's like let yourself go there. Wherever God leads you in y'all emotional, let him go there. And then when you bring that corporately, let him go there. I don't think there's a bar, but don't limit on how. Don't limit God on how God. That's too too much goodness. Now stop because I don't want to. <laughs> no, just let him bowl you. Allow yourself to enjoy his fullness. And whatever that leads to, be be overwhelmed. He wants you to be overwhelmed. He, I think Isaiah's. Anytime you got twenty four elders and all they can offer is seven words. Amen. John the Revelator. I can't even look on him. I just, it's too much. 
make that your aim. I just think make that your aim to want to get yourself in a place where you're overwhelmed by how great he is. Don't set limits on it. Keep yourself open. Make it your aim to seek him continually. Ask God to, to get your antennas up to know when I'm off and how to, okay, I, got, I have to have a gear I can go to. Some of y'all know, like athletically we speak about, it, it's like, oh man, you know, poor kid, that's all he got. You know what I'm saying? And then you, and it's really almost nothing but talent. It's almost like the kid don't have no drive. Kid could have talent out the wazoo, but you know what I'm saying? Man, even if you walked up, slap him in the face, it just he gonna play the same way he been playing the whole game. Just that's just what he is, even kill. But you know, there are some kids, you know, we just have it's like, man, don't make that guy mad, cause he's got another gear he can take this to. You have another gear you can take it to, and don't just be passive when you feel yourself being overwhelmed and not enjoying the fullness of life abundantly. What's the problem? What is the problem, y'all? What is the problem? What tell me? What's the problem? Hmm? If you're not experiencing the joy of his presence, deep deep peace, yes. And why is it happening? Why is it happening? I got to get in his presence. If my safe place is his presence. I got to get by the shepherd and get by that leg and live and feel the warmth and the safety and the security of that presence. When I start wandering and eating in other pastures, I look up, I get anxious, I get afraid, I get scared, I get overwhelmed, but I'm just praying God give us enough sense when we start feeling that, not to just be like, man, now how am I gonna start fixing these problems I got in my life? No, get back over here and then assess what we doing. Go here first. I think that's all, man, I, I'm done. But I've been saying that, I've been saying that for a long time to a couple of close friends. Oh God, I know, they, why y'all tell me? They, why? But uh, <laughs> maybe I did, maybe I did. But, are you going to God first? Are you going to God most often? And are you going to him most confidently? To me, that's seeking his face. Is he who you're turning to first? Is he who you're turning to most often? And he is, is he who you're turning to most confidently? In him. Like he's what I need most. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe that my seeking is not in vain. This is not a religious activity. I am not wasting my time. When I pause that, cut Twitter and Facebook off just for five minutes and I dedicate that time to, to praying and worshiping, that time is not in vain. That's the best thing I could be doing. I am probably to my own chagrin. I am one who, Gina's like, man, she gonna plow through. If something ain't finished, like she just gonna plow through it, plow through it, plow until she gonna grind it out, she gonna get it done. I'm more like, man, you know, I've tried it. It's just not working right now, so <laughs> I'll put it down and I'll come back to it. But I do think spiritually, don't grind. Stop grinding so much in your life. 
get into his presence first and then move forward in faith. Previously, I would have thought more of someone sitting in like a field enjoying the sun. Mm. But it's not passive, it's mm. very active. And so I think the shift would be to like you're almost in like a hole and you're just trying to climb out and you're climbing toward the sun and you feel the sun and the sun is there and it's not getting any dimmer. But it's like you have to actively seek to get out of that hole because you can't hold on to the hole, you're going to stay there. And like this idea that. If you're trying to climb out, then there's going to be rebels falling back on you. Because there's this idea that, like, in the world, there's not a single thing that wants you to want God. Mm. Or that wants you to want God is God himself. And so this idea that as you're climbing out, stuff's going to fall on you. Stuff's going to be more distracting. Stuff's going to be heavy. It's going to be hurtful. Like, that's going to happen. Mm. But yet you can't stop trying to climb out of this hole. And it's, I think that that's the cool thing about the promises section that you mm. mentioned. Mm. Mm. Like, if you seek him, he'll be found by you. What's the details of the journey? Yeah. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, we just want to be part of a long list 
those who've gone before us who have uh, sought your face. And God, uh, we know um, that this is not a matter of our justification. God, you have paid the price and the penalty for our sins, past, present, and future. But you just, you didn't just do that um, so that we could escape hell's fire. You did that so that we could seek you, so that we can enjoy you. And it's not enough for you for us to just be able to know that you love us. You want us to be able to experience it deeply. And you want us to be able to live out of, lean into those realities and live out of them confidently, Lord God. To be overwhelmed by, not just emotionally by your presence, Lord God, but your presence, it, it, it does something to us that allows us to move out into the world in strength, Lord God, in joy and with peace, no matter the circumstance, Lord God, that because we have entered in through the gate and have life and have an abundance, it has reshaped everything. And so our primary job, Lord God, is to Think deeply about that, to meditate, to ponder, to move things, move obstacles out the way so that we can think deeply on it, so we can cast our faith on it, so that we can move confidently throughout the world. God, I pray that we would understand how to seek your face privately, how to do it corporately, how to have enough sense to recognize when we're off track and to have another gear to go to. It's like, uh-oh, it is time now to seek his face. Whether we do it in trial, whether we do it um, in triumph, whether we do it in seasons of monotony, God, I pray that we would be confident in understanding how we need to go about seeking your face. We would do it. Um, and God, would you overwhelm us with the vision of the reward of seeking your face, how much it would change our lives individually and how much it would change our church, Lord God. For you to visit us more presently, more heavier, more often. God, we pray this um, in Jesus' name. Amen.